And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we're back, back for another episode of Startup Hustle. Matt DeCourcy here to have another conversation I'm hoping helps your business grow. All right, if you've been tuning in to our NFT series, we're back for another episode, and we're going to get an inside look at the NFT industry straight from a founder and a company that is launching some really cool stuff. Now, you know, as mentioned, we've had this series going on. I think a lot of people, it started with WTF is an NFT. I think we may have answered that for, for many people out there that wondered. I got into NFT art, talked about the, the music industry. That's always near and dear to my heart. We even have a special announcement where NFL Hall of Famer uh, Eddie George announced his NFT collection. We've talked about play to earn and all kinds of games and assets, and we have we have even more to come. But today we're going to get an inside look at the NFT industry. And before I mention who our guest and the company they're from is. Today, I want to let you know that today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Canva, where you go to collaborate and create amazing graphic design for free, whether it's a presentation to share an idea, a video to launch your business, or a social post to start a conversation. With Canva, you can design anything, discover the magic of visual communication and how Canva helps you create a lasting impact today. Go to canva.com to learn more. And I should, uh, an interesting fact is I actually sent Canva a proposal to sponsor our NFT series and I use Canva to create the proposal. I think that might be why they bought it. With us today, I've got Ben Tompkins and Ben is founder of Block Tackle. That's a blockchain gaming and computer games company. Go to skatex.io to see what they're working on. There's a link for that in the show notes straight out of San Francisco, California. Ben, welcome to Startup Hustle. Happy to be here. I've really enjoyed the series you guys have been working on so far. I think you and your co-host have given a great tour of the space with equal parts excitement and appropriate skepticism. So glad to be joining. Yeah, the, the whole mantra of Startup Hustle is to tell the real story about entrepreneurship. So some of it is uh, guarded optimism and uh, and maybe just a, a, a little dash of not knowing what the hell some of, uh, some of this is all about. But we're getting it figured out. And you know what I'd like to figure out is a little bit more about your your backstory, what you guys are doing at, at Block Tackle and what the SkateX.io game is going to be all about. I did mention before we hit record, I am a terrible skateboarder, so I'm hoping that I'm a much better one in the game. Yeah, absolutely. Me too. So we're a team of, of AAA game developers uh, coming from EA, Kabam, Lucasfilm, Supercell, among others. And uh, we're really aiming to make the next generation of Web3 games that are attractive and accessible to the masses. Uh, you folks, I know, had a, a episode that talked a lot about the sort of play-to-earn space and the games that are out there so far. And... Uh, those are really cool, but I think you know our aim is to build the next generation of fun first games by people who know what they're doing, building uh, great games. So what what when we say like a Web three game, 
How is that different from my PlayStation 5? Yeah, so we, you know, we came from early free-to-play mobile uh, mobile gaming where we worked on some of the early empire building games like Kingdoms of Camelot, Hobbits, Kingdoms of Middle-earth. And with those games what we saw is that players would spend, you know, 5 to 7 hours per day for years at a time in a game. And then when they got to the end of that cycle and they wanted to move on to uh, another game or uh, you know, maybe sell some of their assets and, and build a new account, their only option was really to go on eBay against the terms of service. And so that's where we think that Web3 offers a really interesting value proposition to players to sort of share in the pie of the value that's created from, uh, from a game and by the gaming community. So when you mentioned like the terms of service, a lot of those games, and I'm admittedly not a gamer. So you meant like selling my profile on a game where I could have been like deco startup hustle and I've built this massive empire and all these things and whatever. And then you actually just sell, sell the username and password to get in there and pick up where I left off. So that's, that's the, against the terms of service that you're mentioning, right? Yeah, exactly. You know, a lot of these publishers, they had a smart idea, which is if you don't let people transfer their accounts, then they have to start a new one and they got to start from scratch and buy all the assets themselves. And so they wrote up their terms of service that way. Mm. And that's what, part of what I think Web3 is is upending and a trend that hopefully we'll see continue in the future to empower players. So when we talk about your game, it's powered by Solana, which is a pretty well-known uh, cryptocurrency. And uh, you know, it, it, so with the NFTs that you're launching, are those, those are actual virtual skateboards? They are actual virtual skateboards. <laughs> uh, cool. So you, you'll, you'll be able to take the NFTs that you buy, uh, which are these boards uh, in our Founders Edition collection, which we launched back in April and sold out on Magic Eden. And then another collection coming up on Fractal on May 12th, which is uh, the Coast to Coast Edition, which includes longboards as well. And then you'll be able to actually connect your wallet to the Unity experience and ride around on those skateboards. So that's pretty cool. And in my notes here say, so you mentioned the Coast to Coast series. So that's 3,000 total boards. And uh, so do, do you mint those like the way you would other stuff or are they just in there for sale? Yeah, so we are doing a mint uh, and then they'll be on a secondary market after that. Uh, they're all one of one. So we procedurally generated boards, which was part of why, you know, we were really excited about doing a skateboarding game. Uh, it's just that skateboards in and of themselves are a work of art. And so there seemed like a great opportunity uh, to do a procedural generation project that have different foregrounds and backgrounds and deck and truck colors um, and wheels and, and wheel graphics, et cetera. Um, yeah. And, and those will be minting. So what, what made you start with a skateboarding game? You know, growing up, I'm from the generation that we grew up with Tony Hawk Pro Skater. And oh, yeah. that was... Pro Skater 3 was one of my favorite games growing up. And then a lot of other extreme sports games too, probably because I'm terrible at those things in real life. And so it gave me the opportunity to be be good at them in the virtual world. Um, and this, I think when we started to look at the Web3 space, we started back um, looking into it back with CryptoKitties from Dapper Labs, which I know you folks have touched on in, in prior episodes. Uh, we just saw this this opportunity for there to be a change in the in the gaming landscape like we were talking about. And extreme sports seemed like a, a really cool and differentiated offering for us to bring into the Web3 gaming space. So you talk about your, your first offering sold out and you said that was on Magic Eden. Yep. So how, how did you go about even like, how, how do you even hype this stuff? 
you know, when it's brand new and no one's heard about it, how do you get it out there? And how, I mean, how do you create awareness for all of it? Cause I mean, I'm seeing the notes here that said sold out in minutes. So, you know, that's one of the things I've, as I've looked inside the NFT industry, you know, you have so many of these people that already have, I mean, maybe you already had a following, maybe you already had an audience. You look at Snoop Dogg selling $44 million worth of NFTs the day after the Super Bowl. I mean, obviously, if you've already got, if you've already have the power of hype in your, in your bag of tricks, then that's going to make it a lot easier. Maybe you did, maybe you didn't, but I mean, I don't, how do you even get to the point where you get a, uh, instant sellout like that. So for us, one of the important things was, you know, differentiating our offering. And one of the ways we did that is we came out and said, Hey, look, we're experienced game developers. We've shipped dozens of games collectively. And then two, we're here for the long haul. And so it was really important for us that we had uh, that runway where we could come out and say, Hey, we're going to be here for a couple of years building in the web three space for sure. Even if we don't get revenue. And so we, we went out and raised a uh, $5 million seed, uh, funding round led by co uh, or co-led by Play Ventures and Cadenza Ventures, along with Animoca, Coinbase, Solana, and a, and a few others. And for us, it was important just to be able to say, like, "Hey, we're we're out here. We're doxed. Doxed is that concept you've talked about, where you say, you know, here's our LinkedIn, here's our Twitter. Um, we're out publicly building in the space, and we're going to be here for a bit." Is, is that doxed part? Is that an important part of like getting of getting people to believe in what you're doing? You know, there's certainly have been some projects where uh, they've been really successful and they haven't been doxxed, um, which is, is incredible. But for us, it was an important part of just showing like, hey, we really believe in this. It's not something where we're just going to run away and then you'll have to try and come find us. You know, you'll know who we are and, and we're building it and we're, you know, the promises that we're making, we aim to keep. Yeah, I want to back up because you mentioned before, you said your team is comprised of triple A game developers. What is, what is, I mean, when you say triple A, does that, is that a classification of game builder or what, what does that mean? Yeah, for us, it means, you know, folks who've built 3D games before at a high quality bar uh, with some of the top publishers in the space. And the reason that we think that's important, um, you know, there are a lot of folks who come into the space and say they're going to build a game, but maybe haven't launched something before. To us, game building is, you know, it's an art, It's a, but it's also a skill and a muscle that you build like any other profession. And our core team is is experienced in shipping lots of games. So we're very confident that we can get a quality game out there, uh, which is one of our sort of differentiated offerings in the space. So w- now now the next question is, is you've used Solana. Uh, what, what made you choose that as the delivery vessel for the NFTs? So Solana has a couple things going for it. Uh, you know, in the early days of of crypto gaming, people could build on Ethereum and the gas prices were reasonable enough, like CryptoKitties, where it didn't seem so ridiculous to buy a few CryptoKitties, do a breeding a transaction and pay the gas on that. Uh, but last year, when we we're starting to look at the space, the gas prices, as you brought up on the podcast too, have just been pretty nuts, right? It's incredibly expensive to uh, do anything on Ethereum. Solana has really brought down those gas prices to super reasonable levels. And then the other the other aspect that we really like is Solana is uh, carbon neutral. Yeah, and that's been a big, a big, you know, for just the blockchain industry in general, not even NFTs is, you know, the amount of power you're burning, the carbon footprint that it leaves. And then, you know, the other, it was just the other day that, or recently that uh, the Bored Ape community launched their, their other world, uh, their, their real estate NFTs, 
and it basically broke Ethereum. I mean, the there was they were referring to gas price wars, where whoever was willing to pay the most insane fee could. Yeah, I mean that was that, that was still beyond me. That's been a that's been an interesting story to follow. You know, so it, just the whole uh, the whole ape thing and how that's evolving and doing different stuff, and that seems to be one of the one of the things that's getting a lot of attention. Okay, so. Now you're talking about building a game, but, but at the same time, you've only got 3000 NFTs or boards to get into the game. You, you may have done another launch before that. Maybe my counts off, but is this going to be that small batch of a game where there's only going to be like several thousand players in it? So the way we're viewing this is that these folks who are in early in these collections are sort of like our Kickstarter backers. Uh, you know, the folks who are who are in early as we're creating an experience and we want to be sure that they have a really special experience in the game. So we've been having a lot of, uh, you know, different holder benefits that those folks will get uh, for coming in before the game is launched. Um, but over time, of course, we want to make sure that this experience is accessible to a broad audience. And so thinking through, you know, right now we're aiming at folks who are already interested in the blockchain and crypto space. But over time, as we want to reach a broader audience, we're going to have to reach people who have never bought an NFT before or who have never experimented in the blockchain space, except, you know, maybe a, a Bitcoin buy or something like that. And so we're going to have to plan for fiat onboarding um, for people to buy with normal USD currency or, or other currency aboard in the game. So the way it's set up now is if you have a board, that's your that's your key to unlock the game. You can get in there and play. Do you need, does it require other purchases or anything else no the the board will be your key to get in okay so that i think that's pretty cool it's it's interesting to see you know we're talking about being inside the nft industry and you're seeing all these different uses as i mentioned in the beginning of the show we had recently you know nfl hall of famer eddie george used startup hustle where we worked with them to do an announcement on his his nft collection which is uh, which is unlocks content you know, in this video, like in one of it, and I watched the videos with him and Jerome Bettis, and they're telling the stories you haven't heard, which I think is pretty cool. And as I mentioned, as you may have listened in some of the other episodes, I, I, you know, I'm fascinated with all the different ways that the NFT industry is, well, it's really empowering creators. And, you know, for those of you that may not be aware, I have a history in the music industry. So I'm seeing a lot of my friends that are touring musicians starting to dabble and do different things. And, I really think that the the key to a lot of this stuff to creating value and and that hype that's needed to sell it is unlocking an experience or content that you normally wouldn't get. Not just like, hey, here's a video of the concert. That's kind of boring. I'm talking about like a lot of these acts, artists, and creators have. I mean, you're talking about the ninety percent of the content that you don't see on YouTube. It's kind of like the the more intimate moments or sometimes the ones that are a little bit, I don't know, risque in some regards. That's like the Eddie George stuff. I mean, they're literally like, Hey, we're telling the stories that you don't hear on all the other stuff. Um, okay. So when it comes to launching something like this, like what's, what's the, like, what, what's the biggest hurdle that you have to climb over? I think for us, you know, we had the team who knows how to build games and we, you know, we're comfortable working with 3d assets so for us, the biggest hurdle was how do we break into this community and show that you know we're authentically interested in the community, we want to take part in it, and that we're a project that people should pay attention to. 
Um, and we were lucky in that my co-founder, Rob, um, was an entrepreneur in residence at Solana Labs. And so he got to meet a lot of these great projects uh, that we have, have since had collaborations and, and Twitter spaces with. And that helped us to sort of reach into the community. And then in addition to that, we've been building some partnerships with pro skaters like Stevie Williams just signed on, who's one of the co-founders of DGK. Uh, and it's going to be advising on the game and, and on our sort of metaverse fashion going forward. Uh, but those sort of partnerships within the Solana community and outside of it have really helped us to to make a name in the community. Yeah, I, I think with these early with early projects, I mean, obviously the things that you talk about the team being comprised of the AAA game developers and you're looking at like EA, Kabam, Lucasfilm, Roblox, Supercell. I mean, these are major players. And, uh, you know, one of the things we say a lot on Startup Hustle is whether it's with NFTs or just your startup is having people that have seen winning makes a big difference because you bring, uh, I don't know, just like a, a level of understanding and structure to, and, and look, no one's startup in the beginning has any structure. You hope for as much of it as you can find, but you're kind of like feeling around in the dark on some days because until you get in and start doing it, you don't really know what to expect. So, uh, but by the way, as a, as a quick reminder, today's episode of Startup Hustle is brought to you by Canva. With Canva, you can design your ideas with ease, get inspired with over half a million free templates and a rich content library that helps you and your team achieve your goals. Sign up and start designing for free at canva.com. You know, once again, for those of you listening, uh, Canva turned me into a graphic designer. I never had the patience or desire to learn the complexity of things like Photoshop. I just wanted to, I wanted a result now. And uh, Canva really helped me uh, step up some, so many of the designs that you may have seen on Facebook or different stuff is honestly, me exploring what Canva has to do. So yeah, it's always, I love the new tools that entrepreneurs have. Okay. So let's talk about your plans for the next, like say three to six months when it comes to the SkateX roadmap and the projects, like how do you get, like, what's, what do you have in mind for timing and collaborations and stuff like that? Yeah. So as I mentioned, we've got the coast to coast launch coming up on Fractal on May 12th. Uh, and that includes some guest art from Hydro 74, who's just a an artist in the skate space that we really uh, enjoy and, and admire. And then beyond that, we're going to have uh, additional board drops, but also a playable demo in early summer where you'll be able to connect your wallet, drop into an MMO space, uh, connect your, your, you know, by connecting your wallet, you unlock the skateboards that you've purchased as NFTs and you can ride around on those. And then we'll be iteratively building out the game with more and more feature sets from there throughout the summer. We have a, a rule that you can't use acronyms without defining them. What is MMO? Oh, MMO is massively multiplayer online game. So what that means is mm. just you pop in there in your server, the server uh, there'll be other people who are live at the same time who you can interact with. Uh, so you'll see other people skating around and uh, you, you can have social interactions with them in the space. So I believe that you've been known to say that Web3 has the potential to change video games forever. Why? The big thing for us is that players will have uh, ownership in the value that's created by the game and then also by the player community. Traditionally, that's been really just the realm of publishers, right? And I do have folks who tell me like, hey, look, Web2 publishers, uh, traditional publishers of today, they could build a database structure using existing databases to allow people to own items and then sell them 
at the end of uh, you know the, their period playing the game. And it's like, yeah, that's fine. But have they done that? No. <laughs> no. And I, I think they're, they're, they're unlikely to do that until the community and players demand it. And I think that Web3, through giving players that experience, especially as better and better games come out that are fun to play, is potentially the catalyst that's going to push people towards that. And that's, that's our guiding hypothesis there. So when you look at the the traditional world of video games, are there people that are locked away in a conference room right now trying to figure out how to change their approach from web two to web three? And like, you know, they're looking at all this stuff that's going on over in the NFT and in, in this space. And they're saying, shit, we, we better, we better get our act together or we're going to get left behind. I think there definitely are. They have some unique challenges in that they've got an existing player base that may or may not be enthusiastic about NFTs. And I think we've seen from some of their releases that a significant portion of them are skeptical about the Web3 space, which is understandable. But that's sort of a handicap if you've got that big community that's not into NFTs and you try and move them over against their will. So I think we've got uh, us and the other folks who are building in the, the Web3 space building games right now have an advantage in that we're starting with an audience who's already excited about the space and we can build up from there and then expand as it becomes more mainstream. We're, we're talking about, we're given an inside look at in the NFT industry and obviously you're a great representative for the space related to video games, but let's shift just a little bit and look at some of the other things we're talking about because Obviously, what you're building has a very utilitarian feel to it. Like, hey, you know, you collect the board, play the game, right? Yep. So that that feels really straightforward. Like that's one that makes a lot of sense to me. Now, some of the things that don't seem to make a lot of sense to people, you really, first off, you have NFT art, which you know, we jokingly referred to as, you know, buying who would have ever thought you could get rich buying and selling JPEGs. Like on my list of the top 500,000 ways that I was going to be an entrepreneur and get paid nowhere on that list was buying and selling JPEGs. Right. So, so some of that, it makes sense when it comes from a popular artist, but you see all these NFT art things coming out. And I gotta be honest, I look at them. I'm like, how can all of these have value? Like, what do they do? Like, what's your take on some of the NFT art stuff? I'm not asking you to, like, leave a scorched earth behind you for other people in the industry, but I have a feeling you have a couple a couple comments about that. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I think partly what you're seeing is a really gung-ho community that's excited about the space. But for us, you know, if there's no utility, I think it's hard to see how a lot of these projects are going to continue to retain value and, and keep a high floor price. And we are seeing that, right? And to the credit of a lot of the people who are putting out projects now, they're thinking through like, okay, what's the user value proposition after they see this thing for the first time and have it in their wallet? What are they going to do with it? And we're seeing more sort of experimentation around what that might look like, whether it's a DAO or people can have a community and interact with each other on their own terms or some sort of uh, you know way that you could use it in a metaverse and so that's also something we're looking at too, is like, okay, how can we offer utility to some of these projects that are really cool art projects, but, you know, people want to be able to interact with it in a new way. Yeah. And, and I agree with you on the utility piece. Now utility can come in a ton of different ways. I mean, some of these things are, you know, the NFT for, you have content, music, art, 
sometimes property. And uh, one of the tangible things I'm seeing a lot of, well, we'll, we'll quote influencers. And I, I know Gary V has been a big one in this space, but, you know, for example, you can purchase an NFT and he'll be a guest on your podcast. Now that's an interesting thing because that's not really like a digital asset, but it's a, it's a, it's almost, it's a certificate to get something that isn't a digital asset. I, I mean, that that's still utility in many regards. And then it seems like a lot of this is some, some of this is almost uh, in some ways um, you just, you talk about like what's next. So a lot of these things seem to be metaverse centric, um, you know, like, and I think that's a thing that not everyone understands what that is, you know? So you talk about like metaverse property and we mentioned the other world thing, the board ape one that, that got a lot of attention because I think they sold about $500 million in a day. Um, so when you look at like that kind of stuff, what are, how many, is there an unlimited number of metaverses and, property that can or could be created in all of them? I think you're definitely going to see some consolidation at some point, right? There are a limited number of humans and limited number of of hours of the day in which they could spend in metaverses. (laughs) But, uh, you know, I think a lot of people are so excited by that Ready Player One vision where uh, there is a future in which there's sort of interoperability between a lot of these different metaverses and there's a way to sort of jump between spaces. That you know, the, the current enthusiasm is going to have to sort of meet a reality of product market fit at some point. But for now, there's so much iteration and learning happening. I think it is a really exciting space. Like when we talk to founders in the space, we learn so much, you know, every week about what people are seeing that's working and what's not working and what players are gravitating towards. And people are launching and iterating so quickly. I think a lot of cool stuff's going to come out of that. Once again, with me today is Ben Topkins, the co-founder of Block Tackle. You can learn more about Block Tackle at blocktackle.io, and you can learn more about their upcoming SkateX project by going to skatex.io. I think this is really cool stuff. So here's kind of a, a semi-noob kind of question. So when I'm in SkateX, am I in a metaverse or am I just in a game? I think we're starting with a game with the intention to build a metaverse. And the way that I would define that is whether you have uh, interoperability of some kind, that there's some way that something that's decentralized in a way that we're not building all of the experience. That's when I think it becomes more of a metaverse. Um, And when we start to also allow our SkateX skateboards to go into other projects, which we're talking with projects about. So we're, we're really hoping to be part of that sort of, uh, interoperable future. And that's what we're, we're building towards. So when you talk about the difference between a game and a metaverse, like in a game, I've got 120 seconds to accomplish an objective or earn points or collect whatever, you know, get down the road, whatever it is that you're doing. You're saying the difference in that in a metaverse, in a metaverse, you can just literally just kind of go in and just kind of be there. Yeah. You know, I think that that is a, a common feature of metaverses we're seeing right now. Uh, like we've done some work in the Roblox space. I think they did a really good job building sort of what I'd call a closed wall or walled garden metaverse where you have an avatar that's shared across a bunch of different games and experiences. Uh, so you have sort of your own digital identity that you bring into different experiences. And as you said, each one of those games has its own sort of point system and, and objectives that you're supposed to complete. Um, but it's a metaverse in the sense that there's an interoperability of your avatar and, and personal identity. 
And that's what we're starting to see with some of these projects that, you know, you've got your, you know, you might have your board ape, which you can then bring into another experience or your crypto kitty or any NFT and have some sort of utility in that new game. So by the way, uh, a, a daily task of mine is turning down my children's request to purchase Rob, Ro, is it Robux? It is Robux. <laughs> yes. Yes. So, uh, dad, I'm really poor right now. Uh, honey, what do you mean? I have no Robux. We'll get to work and earn some. So yeah, I refuse to buy them. Is that bad? I don't think it's bad. <laughs> I think it's fair. Anyway. And it's, it's very interesting though, with this generation of, uh, you know, your kids generation, they're growing up with this metaverse experience, jumping between different games with their avatars. We built, a a Nerf shooter in partnership with Hasbro on that platform, me and Rob, my co-founder uh, at our previous company, and um, just learned a lot about the different experiences and social interactions that kids are having in these metaverses, which obviously is a, a different demographic, but I think is really informative of what they're going to expect as they get older. Yeah, I was I was resistant to some of it at first. My son is actually going to, to Roblox camp uh, this summer, he's in a, he's in a thing called code ninjas where he and my daughter both go and they're learning how to code. They're learning, learning scratch. And, uh, that's something that, uh, we, we did not make quitting as optional. So, um, as they kind of, you know, I figured that, that that's probably going to be a good input for him. Okay. So we'd be a little, we would, we would be leaving out an important part of most startup hustle episodes. If we didn't give a little bit of advice to people that want to get into the NFT industry. So obviously you've been around, you're a very seasoned, uh, member of the community. Not everyone is. Uh, so if you have aspirations about, uh, the NFT industry and joining it or doing anything like what's some of the best advice or, or either things to do or things to avoid? Yeah, it's a, an amazing space that we're in where a very seasoned person in the NFT space has been around since, you know, late For last year. year. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> but we have been, you know, exploring the space since 2017 and, and building games for a long time. I, you know, I would say that getting really involved in the communities that you're excited about. So picking a chain that speaks to you, going and checking out a lot of those NFT communities, the discords, understanding what it is that makes those communities tick and why people keep coming back to those discords for social interactions. And then what kind of utility people seem to be responding well to and what you think makes sense for a project that you're envisioning. Um, and then really try and make connections and inroads in that community. And I think in that way, you'll be able to get really quick feedback from uh, from folks in the space about whether it's something they'd be excited about and you can iterate from there. When it came to like traditional funding and you mentioned $5 million in capital raised, what, did you meet a lot of resistance with that or did you find an eager investor community? What we found was that there are a lot of folks who are really excited about the blockchain space and reticent about projects that don't have the legs of some kind of promise of utility, right? So like what we were talking about, that doesn't have to be games, but in our case it was. And so, you know, I think that there's a lot of excitement around blockchain gaming and the fact that we have a team that's experienced in gaming was something that, uh, you know, VCs were looking for. So we were in the right place at the right time with the right team to, to be able to, to nail down some, some solid seed funding from, you know, folks both in the, the gaming space and in the blockchain space. Do you think that being located in San Francisco helped that? Well, it didn't hurt it. 
<laughs> but, well, I mean, I say I say that because I mean, it's not a. I mean, it's not exactly a secret that the the valley um, is. I mean, obviously, you know, there's more money flowing into startups, technology, and other stuff there than any place in the world right now, and well, it has been over the last you know 25 years. But you can find a lot of people looking for more sophisticated solutions. You know, I'm in Kansas City, and I feel like if you went out and tried to find that same five million dollars it would be a different, it would be a completely different experience because really in the end, people and funds, investors, anyone, they don't usually make investments into things that they don't understand. Yeah, it's interesting. You know, a couple of our top investors, the the top two out of, out of three are actually not based in San Francisco. Um, but the, you know, the fact that we have access to the talent in the Bay Area, even though it's incredibly expensive, I think did did sort of help us uh, to be able to say, hey, look, we've got these, you know, four or five guys that are going to be our core team right off the bat. And they're co-located with with us here in, in San Francisco certainly did help. But, um, you know, if you could find a team of enthusiastic uh, folks who you've got your developer, your designer and your 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 artist who are located in a place that's a more affordable geo. I'd say go for it. That's uh, that's pretty promising too. That's the whole business I'm in, Ben. At FullScale.io, <laughs> we help people build software teams quickly and affordably. So, yeah, that could work. You know, you it's there's in that regard. Uh, you know, I employ about 250 developers right now, and uh, for a project like this, they would probably fight each other to the death to see who got on it. And that's one of the things that's a challenge for a lot of developers is they don't always get the professional opportunity to do certain things, you know, like when you work for, when you're a job seeker, you, I mean, you get what's in and around the market. Um, Obviously globalization has made that a lot easier, but um, yeah, so uh, there's a lot, a lot of growth there. Okay. So one question while we're here, and this is also in the, you know, related to the industry, why did discord become the place to unlock and chat about so much of this, because you can learn, you can go to the Skadex Discord, that's uh, discord.gg forward slash Skadex. But why did that, like, wh- what happened there? Like, why is why is everything you need and want to do or unlock or your, your whitelist code, all of that? This is something I still haven't figured out in the series, so I need you to teach me. You know, I think Discord was at the right time when there were not a lot of great solutions for sort of one-to-many big announcements and having a space in which the community can uh, interact with each other while you as a company can also uh, message out to to the entire community uh, within Discord. Um, but it's hard for me to imagine that Discord won't be displaced at some point because it, it is a little bit tricky to use. It feels like a lot has sort of been stacked on top of it at this point. I'm curious what your take on Discord is. After using you know, it. honestly, man, I, I, I can't say I've really figured it out. I mean, I have on some levels because it's just got that like kind of chat component about it. But I mean, for me, like when I, you know, coming in and literally I, I, I dove in and immersed myself in NFTs. Like, I mean, I've created at this point, I've bought them, sold them, traded them, created them, transferred them, lost money on them, made money on them watched them turn into other things like on all this and just try and minted them. Um, and you know, like I said, I, I take, I take the show seriously and I wanted to learn more about it. Uh, but yeah, with the discord thing, I mean, I, I get what it is and what it does, but I just wasn't ever really sure why it became the thing. And maybe it, 
because it could have been lack of other alternatives. But what else do people use Discord for? It's definitely big with gaming communities. So many, most big games have a Discord community where they you know, message out to their community what's going on and big updates, and then people can meet each other in there. There must be some other industries that are really present on Discord too. I don't know which ones they are. Yeah, you know, like I said, I was just, it seems to be that, I mean, this has got to be a boom time for Discord because it seems like there's more people than ever that are, you know, getting into that. So, all right, well, it's about time for the founders freestyle. I say that, you know, that's how I like to end my shows. I say my shows because I'm not the only host of Startup Hustle. Make sure you tune in weekly with Andrew Morgans. You can learn all about e-commerce and Amazon brand acceleration. Tune in with Lauren Conaway, the founder of Innovate Her. You know, Ben, she's the person that's on the show that talks about all the things that the rest of us are afraid to address. So thank you for that, Lauren. She does an amazing job with that. And tune in for the new uh, Matt Watson as a host episodes. Those have already been airing. So, you know, several hundred episodes later, we gave Matt the mic and said, hey, you're the host. And that gives me a break. Now, before we get into the Founders Freestyle, today's episode of Startup Hustle was brought to you by Canva, where you can go to collaborate and create amazing graphic design for free. Whether it's a presentation to share an idea, a video to launch your business, or a social post to start a conversation with Canva, you can design anything. Discover the magic of visual communication and how Canva helps you create a lasting impact today. Go to canva.com to learn more. I'm a big fan of Canva. It was really, really making, really makes it easy for an entrepreneur or a business person or anyone in marketing to create stuff quickly and easily. I like quickly and easily. So, hey man, so with the Founders Freestyle, we get to sum up this episode and you also get to maybe bring up anything that you might not have talked about or you want to push, promote, We've had people sing, rap, recite poetry. I mean, really, it's a freestyle. So here you go, Ben. It's up to you. Yeah. So, you know, we're building a fun first game in blockchain, which we think is, uh, you know, a fresh concept. And we're building an, a skate MMO project. Our next launch is coming up May 12th on uh, Fractal. We'd love to see you there. Check us out on Twitter at PlaySkateX and, uh, and on Discord. And we'd love to have you in the community. And by the way, that will have been yesterday, if you listen, because <laughs> I believe this is coming. So hopefully you didn't miss it too much of it, but you can get in there. And, you know, I think when I look at like all of this has been a very fascinating thing. And thanks for joining me. This was really a, a nice inside look on like what the creation of a game is like and you know what that could be like and it seems like you guys really had you were thoughtful to get the right team together i think that anytime you have the right participants it well first off it makes things a lot easier um having people that know what they're doing up front and uh you know bringing some winning attributes and experience to the table when it comes to things like nfts and blockchain one thing you need to consider as a user is that, you know, guys like Ben are leading the way and pioneering uh, uh, things that haven't been done, which means that sometimes they'll be good and sometimes they won't be good right away. And I think that one of the things that I'm finding with the NFT and blockchain community is a level of patience and understanding with the idea that this whole thing is, is new, that it's changing everything, that it's the future um, for, for a lot of stuff. I, I couldn't agree more when it comes to 
like looking for the things and projects that provide some kind of utility or have something tangible in nature about them. Um, that's the thing that's been the easiest for me to understand about the entire NFT industry. Um, some of the other stuff, I mean, honestly, it does mystify me a little bit. Like, I don't know if you're going to find that the value of a doodle is going to be what it, you want it to be down the road you know, like some of that. And, and if you like that kind of stuff, I'm willing to provide all of it for a fraction of the cost of what some people are paying for some of those things. But uh, I think when it, you know, there, this is, there's a, a big blue ocean, uh, right at, you know, you say that with open sea being the, uh, the, the marketplace, a lot of people are choosing, but there really is a, a very interesting world of NFTs, ahead for all of us. And I think that it's going to also solve a lot of problems too, even for just like little things, you know, get back into the art thing. Um, you know, so I actually, Ben, I actually have a pretty significant collection of original paintings, which even, you know, like even a picture of the painting with the guy that painted it. I mean, that's about all you get. That's your, that's your certificate of authenticity. Things like blockchain solve a lot of this and um, you know, have application across so many different industries. So we, we shall see where that goes. Ben, thanks for joining me. And I'm looking forward to a startup hustle brand skateboard and Skatex. So let me know when that's ready. Absolutely. We'll get to work on it. Startup hustles brought to you by fullscale.io helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button. Then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.